Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to our Kingdom of God preaching series. Richard reminded us last week of our need to be born again, of our need to repent and leave behind our old life. The old is gone and the new has come. We are new creations living in the new creation. So if last week we looked at how do we enter the kingdom, this week we're gonna look at how do we live in the kingdom? How do we live under the rule of Christ together? But first things first. In the kingdom of God, we live as those who have been made holy. We are holy. And all this means is we've been set apart for God. We must begin with this incredible truth that God has made us holy. God has changed our status permanently. God is holy and he has caused us in Christ to share in this holiness. An incredible picture of being made holy like God comes from Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was one of the Old Testament prophets who lived 700 years before Jesus. He was a prophet for 52 years of his life. And initially, Isaiah thought being a prophet is pretty straightforward. And we've got a great king called Uzziah. We aren't at war, the people are flourishing, and everything seems great. But two years into his prophetic ministry, this amazing king Uzziah died, and, and all the hope and vision that he brought died with him. Isaiah and the people were downcast and desperately needed vision and hope. What they needed was a vision of God's holiness. You see, in the year that Uzziah the king died, Isaiah saw the true king. And so we read in chapter 6 of this incredible vision Isaiah has of the heavenly throne room. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah said, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the heavenly temple was filled with smoke as these six-winged seraphims kept shouting to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Confronted with God's holiness, Isaiah says, Woe is me, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. This is God's holiness. This is our King's holiness. He is separate from us. He is unique. He is supreme overall. But most importantly, God is different from anything he has ever made. Isaiah doesn't even try and apologize for his sin or, or ask for a second chance. He's like, well, I guess this is it. Woe is me. When we come face to face with God, we, we quickly see a stark contrast between his awesome holiness and our sin. But then something really interesting and amazing happens in this vision. It says one of these seraphim took a piece of burning coal out of the altar and placed it on the lips of Isaiah. And then we read this, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. All of a sudden, Isaiah isn't afraid, but he's confident. He is holy. And we read that God sends Isaiah back to proclaim a message to his people. We know in the light of Christ that this is a picture of our lives. This is God's love. You know, um, I'm sure we all know what this is. Um, this is hand sanitizer and it's, it's become pretty uh, a normal accessory really. You know, when I leave my house, I say to myself, phone, wallet, keys and hand sanitizer. Oh, and don't forget your face mask too. 
Every shop has hand sanitizers as you walk in. Some are better than others though, aren't they? Um, I don't know about you, but I apply hand sanitizer all the time now. When I'm out or, or I'm, I'm at work, it's getting to the point now that even if I hear the word COVID, I, I scramble around and I look for my hand sanitizer and try and apply it as quick as possible. Holiness is not like hand sanitizer. If we mess up or if we hurt other people, we don't stop being holy. Even if we mess up and, and repent, we are God's holy people. We don't have to keep applying holiness to ourselves 20 times a day. Like Isaiah and the cold, God, through Jesus, has come to cleanse us once and for all. God reveals himself not to destroy us, but to redeem us. He makes us holy like him once for all. And that's why the Apostle Paul begins most of his letters by writing to the saints, or the phrase literally means to the holy people, even the Corinthian church. I don't know about you, but if I was to write a letter to those guys, I probably wouldn't start it by calling them God's holy people. But, but even the Corinthians or, and all that they were up to, because they were in Christ, they are holy, chosen and precious to God. And secondly, um, there is a purpose for all of this. God makes us holy so that we can live holy lives. I don't think you'll be shocked to hear that as Christians, we are called to live holy lives. The Bible is full of commands to be holy as God is holy. Just as Israel was called to be a light to the nations, we too are supposed to shine bright for others to see. But what does holiness look like in the kingdom? Well, in, in Matthew's gospel, there are three pretty important chapters, five, six, and seven, which are often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. This is the, the longest recorded thing Jesus ever said. And, and we have Jesus setting out what his kingdom will look like through the lives of his followers. We read in this sermon about how we are to treat others. We read familiar passages about turning the other cheek, loving our enemies, being the light of the world. That if you are angry towards someone, you've committed murder. And if you lust after someone, you've committed adultery. We read about fasting, about not seeking after material wealth, but after heavenly treasure. We, we read about not worrying, about persisting, about a narrow gate and a true and false disciples, about wise and about foolish builders. And we read challenging things like, you know, blessed or happy are people who are poor in their human spirit or people who mourn or people who are persecuted. Jesus says that these are the ones that will have true joy in my kingdom. And as much as I would love us to spend hours diving into these uh, three really important chapters in Matthew, we don't have time right now, but, but what is really important to point out about this sermon is that it's, it's not supposed to be read or understood as a checklist of things we are supposed to do in order to enter the kingdom and become disciples of Jesus. Instead, everything Jesus talks about in this sermon is the result of following him, not a requirement for following him. Holiness is something we get to join in with. It isn't something we have to earn. Jesus says in Matthew 5.20 that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Reading that, you might be thinking, surely that's impossible. I mean, those guys tithed everything that moved. How on earth can my righteousness ever surpass theirs? 
But, but the type of righteousness Jesus is talking about here is a higher form of righteousness. It's not an external box ticking righteousness, but a righteousness that stems from new covenant people with new hearts of flesh. Because this isn't just Jesus talking, but Jesus talking. And he lives in us, empowering and helping us by his spirit to live kingdom lives of holiness. Jesus reveals that behind true holiness is a pure heart and a sincere motivation. Matthew 6, 5, Jesus says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. This is such an important verse because it causes us to reflect on our own motivation for holiness. What motivates me to live a holy life? What motivates us to to get up early on a Sunday morning and watch King's Church online? What motivates us to give financially? What motivates us to be loving and kind towards people? What motivates um, what we do and don't consume? Are you motivated by what others will think of you? Are you motivated by fear? Maybe we are motivated by a false view of God. If I don't give, then God won't bless me. Well, Romans says it was at your worst, on your worst day, that Christ died for you. You see, holiness is not a list of things we don't do because we're good Christians. Holiness is a way of thinking now that we are part of God's kingdom family. True holiness is relational and it has to stem from a vibrant relationship with Jesus. You can't walk in holiness alone. I love this, just one verse, Genesis 17 verse one says, now Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Notice the word order. It's not be blameless and walk before me, but it says walk before me and you'll be blameless. In other words, walk with me, trust in me, live life by my side, and in doing this, you align yourself with my holiness and you'll be blameless. Uh, Please listen, holiness requires a choice on our behalf. Yes, we choose to not live life according to the flesh, to live life according to the spirit. It does mean being critical about what we consume. It means, it does mean undergoing temptation and it might mean repentance too, but, but it has to stem from a place of abiding in Jesus. Otherwise it will just feel like a heavy burden we are constantly carrying. But we wanna be like the Psalmist who is blessed or happy because his delight, his joy, his life is in God and his commands. And thirdly, our holiness is missional and contagious. And when I came to Manchester to to start university about a decade ago, I had some friends in my class who weren't Christians and I had some um, Christian friends at King's. Um, But but after a while, I started to feel uncomfortable with the type of conversation my non-Christian friends um, would have. Uh, Constant gossiping, just lustful, dishonoring of of other people. Uh, And I was really unsure, like, what what should I do? And by the way, if this is a kind of situation, um, should this situation should make you feel uncomfortable, this is a good thing. Um, It would be worrying if you felt at home or if you felt that you will have more in common with this type of conversation. So I I had my Christian friends at King's and I had my non-Christian friends at university and I wanted to be good uh, and a good witness, um, but but I was also feeling uncomfortable with these conversations that they were having. 
And I began to get worried that it would start affecting my own walk with Jesus and that it would start to make me impure and that I might just accidentally say something terrible in front of my Christian friends one day as a result of hanging out with non-Christians. So I started to avoid certain social gatherings. I would stop going to certain places and I tried to not get involved. But eventually I came to realize that I was looking at the whole thing the wrong way around. I believed that my holiness, God's holiness he had imparted to me, was helpless and easily contaminated and, and that I would become easily influenced by other people's sin. But, but as I started to read the life of Jesus, I started to see that the reverse was true. That Jesus healed diseases and he ate with the most detestable people in society. So much so that people started to call him a friend of sinners. But it wasn't Jesus that was transformed by them. It was those he hung out with that was transformed by Jesus, his holiness. Jesus's holiness is contagious. It is offensive. It isn't static and motionless. It is dynamic. It defeats holiness situations. It, it does not surrender to them. And, and so the same is true of us. Our holiness, our union with Christ is the real contagious threat. In God's kingdom, we are made holy and we are set apart for God. It's, it's who we are. We are his holy people. But I want to ask, how serious do you take the call of righteousness? How serious do you take the call of holiness in your own life? If we continue to walk with Jesus daily, we will grow in holiness. We might not have figured everything out and, and we might fail, but in Jesus, we are on a path of maturity as our lives continue to draw others into relationship with him. Thank you and bless you.